Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the Retirement Toolbox. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management, serving you throughout the greater Cleveland area and in Bradenton, Florida as well. You can find Scott online by going to skyboxasset.com. That's skyboxasset.com. Scott brings more than 20 years of experience to the table each time we get together and chat about things in the financial and retirement world. And Scott, it's great to be with you once again this week. How's uh, early summer treating you? In Ohio. Boy, Walter, I love summer. Having a great time. We got a uh, we got a new patio and gazebo out back, Ooh, and very nice. Uh, now, now we're just enjoying it. And yeah, I mean, summer. I like fall and spring. Don't like winter that much, but you know, summer's great. Besides having to cut the grass because my allergies bother me. But, uh, <laughs> the darn grass. I I actually like cutting the grass, but then uh, in our new home we got a riding lawnmower. It was like a lifelong dream of mine to have a riding lawnmower. After mm-hmm. I think I started cutting the grass at maybe twelve when I grew up. Dad was like, "All right, you're old enough. You're responsible. Start mowing the grass. Don't cut your feet off." And, right. uh, you know, pass that on to me. And I loved it. I loved to mow the grass growing up. But I always did want a riding lawnmower. Finally got one. And now my wife likes it so much that I never get to ride it. She she mows the grass before I ever get the chance to. So Well, that, that's not that bad, Walter. That's not that bad, yes. To have a wife who likes going out and cutting the grass, I'm not going to complain. But at the same time, it's like, I want to have fun riding around on that thing. And one of the houses we lived in, we, we when we bought it, the guy had left us his riding lawnmower, and it was a pretty nice one. Nice. And it was a bigger yard, and you know we were younger, hadn't been married all too long, not even sure if we had had kids yet. But my wife would go out, and she wanted to cut the grass with the riding lawnmower. That worked well until she ran into our shed. And uh, Uh-oh. then she's like, okay, I'm done with that cutting the grass thing. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, too funny. Well, grass cutting will be a part of your life for a little longer, Scott, until fall comes back around. So, Yeah, and having four daughters, none of them were very interested growing up on cutting grass. Every once in a while, I could get them to cut the grass, but not very consistently. Not super excited. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, it's all good. They bring other talents to the table, I'm sure, and other help around the house when needed. So we've, got a, we've got a great show on the way today. Uh, we won't talk about grass cutting the entire time. Coming up on today's program, we're going to get a really good question to kind of end the show a little bit from Marshall. And I'm looking forward to this question from Marshall, in fact, because he's got a variable annuity and has questions about that. And so I'm looking forward to your opinion there, Scott. Plus, we're going to have some good TV shows and movies to review at the end of the program as well in our uh, somewhat new segment that we debuted a couple of months ago and lots more on the way. But uh, our main topic of focus today is going to be about keyboard Warriors. Have you ever heard that term before, Scott? Keyboard warriors. Yes, I have, and but I've used, I've heard it used in several different ways. So, what way are we going to talk about it today? Walter? So, I, I'm t- I'm approaching it from the slightly negative approach. Keyboard warrior being somebody that's a tough guy when they're behind the keyboard, but you know, not that tough out in the real world. Or so people mm-hmm. feel empowered to say things behind the keyboard that they wouldn't probably say to somebody's face in person. 
Just like all this social media stuff, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's pretty much what social media is in many ways, is your, your keyboard warriors. That's why it seems so inflammatory, I think, and extreme on these platforms, because a lot of it's anonymous, and you're kind of hiding behind that pseudonymity. Is that a word? Can I use that on, on today's show? Sure. Hey, I am not a master of the English language, so I, I will I will say sure. That's a $5 word, maybe. Maybe a $10 word, even. Um, <laughs> well, in any event, we were playing uh, the dangerous game before coming up with the idea for today's show of perusing the comments section of a recent article about COVID-19 and the impacts on retirees and how much money you're going to need to retire going forward. And, you know, that trip into the comments section is always kind of a mixed bag of people trolling, you know, folks, inaccuracies, sometimes, though, surprisingly helpful insight. And again, we've we've come to describe all these people as keyboard warriors. So I thought it would actually be kind of a fun show today, Scott, to look at some of these sentiments, some of these comments that were mm-hmm. under that article. And I want to see if they resonate with how others that you interact with in real life truly see the financial world, retirement, and are there any ideas in here that actually give us a good idea of how to prepare for it all? Sound fun? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm up for it. All right, so I'll read the comment, and you let me know if it's something that you see common, if it's a a logical thought, or you totally rip it apart. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to this. All right, so comment number one. Someone wrote under this article, it's not that hard to figure out, people. I've been living on $1,000 a week for two years now. That includes continuing to save, and I have a good existence. It's good enough for me. Well, hey, this guy, he's got it all figured out, doesn't he? Yeah. But you know what? When you think about that comment, I mean, reality is if indeed that works for your situation, you know, then if you need a thousand dollars a week and that's all that you need, you know, Social Security may be giving them, you know, twenty five hundred of that, and then he's just pulling out, you know, a slightly, you know, modest monthly amount out of out of his uh, savings in order to be able to live. You know, that works good for him, but I think this can be dangerous because. I think when someone would read this, they would say, okay, well, yeah, you know, that makes sense. I I could, maybe I could try to do that. But really for a lot of retirees, you might need a little bit more than that. And everybody's situation is different. And this works for this guy, but that does not mean it's going to work for you. And everybody's got different situations, different places they have accounts from. I mean, as far as IRAs, Roth IRAs, maybe they have it in the bank, you know, taxes, different things to worry about. You know, but for this guy, maybe he's got, you know, all his money in the bank. He's just pulling out a little bit extra. You know, it sounds to me, though, because he's still saving that he's getting like a pension or something like that, where he's getting, you know, maybe pension and Social Security that totals $4,000 a, a month. And, you know, he's lives very modestly and then he, you know, has some of that excess money. So it doesn't even sound like he's using any of his savings. Because of that, that comment he said about being able to save some of that money every month. Yeah, that's a great point, not even maxing things out. And I think, you know, this is a national article, and we have to keep that in mind when you're getting information online and through resources like this. Who knows where this guy lives? You know, if he lives in, I don't know, the middle of a very rural area in Wyoming, then yeah, $1,000 a week may be just fine. But if he's retiring and, you know, and he lives in downtown Cleveland, $1,000 a week may not get you very far if you're talking about having rent or a mortgage and, you know, all those kinds of things that come into play. So great example, I think, as you kind of highlighted, there's a lot of personal differences for why 
well, hey, a thousand works for me. Why can't it work for you? Um, right. It's not that easy of a scenario for everybody because of all those variances and factors. So makes mm-hmm. sense. All right. Another comment that I found in this article. I really don't know how anyone retires these days with bonds paying about 0% and stocks at 1929 levels. Now, this was probably right during the bottom of the stock market crash post-COVID-19. So already this comment is a little dated by the time we're getting the chance to talk right, about it. But that's right. okay. We'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. Uh, at 1929 levels, it ain't going to come from gains in your portfolio. Even if you retire with a million dollars, it's not that much when you consider you could live 30 years or more in retirement. Doesn't sound like the comment's all that wrong, does it? Well, yes and no. I mean... There's some accuracies and some inaccuracies in here. So some of the things that are accurate about his comment is that, you know, that bonds aren't paying much interest rate right right now. You might very well live 30 years in your retirement. And again, depending on someone's situation, you know, a million dollars may or may not be enough for them to, you know, be able to supplement their income. But a funny thing I found when I heard this is that, you know, stocks are at 1929 levels. And <laughs> I think he's referring to the fact that the market pulled back. And, you know, maybe this was the end of March, you know, like you were saying, and, and that market had, had started to bottom out and people start freaking out. You know, but the reality is, is that when we take a look at history and we look at different places that you can put your money over time, you know, equities and stocks still seem, you know, historically to give you that best potential for growth, but you simply need to kind of ride out some of these stocks. But it's definitely scarier retiring nowadays, especially with all this market volatility out there. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, you know, economic uncertainty, social uncertainty, and a lot of it seems like the world's changing very, very fast. And this is an article on COVID, right? So everybody, you know, is locked in their houses and wearing masks everywhere. So it's a scary time for someone to retire. But the good thing is, is if you have a plan and you have a strategy and you've got your money in different types of investments, you know, you certainly can retire, you know, nowadays. And it's really not horribly hard, but you need to be careful with the investment aspect because, you know, like he's saying, not that stocks are at 1929 levels, but he was certainly referring to that. The A little stock hyperbole market, in there. Yeah. The stock market <laughs> had dropped and came back down. So I think if, if you've got your investments laid out properly, if indeed this happens again, and it's going to happen again, you know, that you'd be able to weather that storm. If you just have some strategies in place and work with somebody that's helping you grow your money, but yet try not to go backwards that much when things like this happen. See, to me, this highlights one of the problems of Internet comment sections and Internet, you know, as a medium is this problem of hyperbole, because you're able to look at that comment and say, all right, well, he probably means this. He probably means this. Okay, he's not exactly on target with this. So I get the sentiment, but there's really a lot of problems with what he's saying here. You're not taking these things as fact as you poke a bunch of holes in it. But the average person looks at that and look at all the hyperbole. 
bonds paying 0%, 1929 Great Depression, and even if you have a million dollars, it's not enough. Going to all the extremes, 30 years or more in retirement, any one of those little things that we can kind of take with a grain of salt and understand where he's coming from, but when you have all those things combined, you can see how that does stoke fear in someone, right? If somebody's going, oh, I only have 500000 saved for retirement, and oh my gosh, is it, things are really this bad, you can see how these things just kind of get out of control, I think, sometimes. I think the problem with all these comments is that, you know, one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to just necessarily act on comments you see on, on an article that's posted on Facebook or something like that, because everybody's situation is different. And if someone would read this and start acting on it and saying, oh, I'm not going to retire, I'm going to sell all my stocks because, you know, I'm never going to make any money in here again. And, you know, that could be dangerous and they could be hurting their situation. It's mm, a great point. All right, another comment uh, that I came across. We'll move on to another angle here, Scott, in this article, again, that was about retiring in post-COVID-19 world. This person says, I upped my contributions to my 401k during the pandemic, so much so that I can barely get by right now. But I'm trying to take advantage of the market while it's down. Hopefully, it'll pay off later. Wow. This one is, so far is, has been my favorite, though you know, barely get by, he may be taking it to an extreme. Yeah. But I love the idea. Uh, I've done, there's a, a lot of companies that I, I work with where I work with educating their employees through their 401k plan. And I do been doing webinars for the company participants because they're not coming in the office. So we just do education through webinars and, and things like that. And one of the things I focus is that if you're able to comfortably when things like this happen, when the markets go down, when you've got something like the COVID that, that you know, we had a, now granted COVID happened very quickly, right? I mean, if you weren't on the ball a couple of weeks, you kind of missed the, the biggest opportunities of this whole COVID thing. It wasn't a huge, huge, slow drop in the markets, but, you know, increasing those 401k contributions when the market is low is really, really, really could give you a nice big boost in your savings because it's just the old adage, you buy stocks low and sell them high. Well, you're basically, when you're in a 401k, you're doing something called dollar cost averaging. You're investing every paycheck, a little bit of that paycheck, whether the market's high or whether it's low, you continue to just put that money in. And what it does is it averages your cost that you paid for all of your investments in there over time. Well, when something like this happens and the market just crashes down, you know, quickly and you start putting more money and you're lowering that cost of everything going in. I, I think the danger of this is, is that barely getting by, he may be taking it to an extreme, but I like the idea behind that. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a good follow-up comment from another poster on that one. Good move. You're doing well with that kind of financial discipline. And it sounds like that kind of echoes where you're going with that, Scott. Uh, yeah. a, a fourth comment in this article, you know, the market's only down about 10%. If your retirement plans can't weather a 10% market drop, then you can't afford to retire or keep working. <laughs> There's a little sarcasm in this A little, one, bit, little bit of sarcasm. But, yeah. but there is some truth to that. I mean, you know, the whole idea is if you've got a, a retirement plan and a strategy set in place, it should be designed to weather these market drops. I think it's dangerous that they say keep working. I mean, that's just a 
you know, there's the sarcastic comment. I mean, the reality is that, you know, even if the market drops and goes down and you're pulling a little money out of your retirement accounts to help supplement your income every month, it certainly should not blow up your retirement plan. You, and it should not blow up your retirement because look at what happened with these markets. They came back. They eventually do come back. Now, a lot of the times too, I I sent out and talked to a lot of clients that are taking withdrawals monthly out of their accounts. And I did talk to them and said, hey, you know what? If you really don't need to be taking this money out, you know, we might want to stop taking some of this money out during this market drop, you know, back in early April, because I think that if we can avoid taking money out while it's low, that means when the markets do come back, which they eventually did make a big step back to coming back to, you know, where they initially started the year, you know, we're going to have more money working for us. But I think, you know, a 10% drop in the market should not really kill any retirement plan. Even if you had 100% stocks, and it dropped 10%, it really shouldn't blow up your little monthly withdrawals you have coming out. And I think what this guy's trying to get across is that, you know, as these markets drop, he's trying to basically say the same thing. I don't like the, you can't afford to retire, keep working kind of thing. But, <laughs> but I think he's trying to say the idea that if the market has dropped, you know, you should still be able to continue to do what you're doing. Yeah, I think those are good points. All right, this next one is, I think, a fun one here, Scott. Two great comments came in back-to-back on this article, all right? So I'll, I'll read them back-to-back to you. My solution is to not retire until at least age 70 and save, save, save. I could probably pull it off earlier, but why? So I can sit at home bored out of my skull. Okay, that was comment A. Comment okay. B I would retire early to drop out of society. The caliber of intelligent people has gone way downhill. I'd rather use the privilege to spend time in my own mind. (laughs) Wow. By by the way, the person spelled caliber incorrectly, just as an FYI. (laughs) The caliber of intelligent people and caliber was was spelled incorrectly. So we we have to wonder the intelligence of the person writing the comment. Not to be grammar police, but I mean, come on, if you're going to insult someone's intelligence or everyone else's intelligence, you gotta you gotta double check the spelling in that comment, right? <laughs> yeah, you know the funny thing is with both of these comments, I, I've actually heard this before from other clients. Client A is probably the. Uh, you know, a more common kind of thing that, that a lot of people think is that, hey, if I retire, what am I going to do? I enjoy my job. I can, you know, I, I'm, I can like going into work every day. You know, I'm just going to keep working until I can't. You know, you can max out your Social Security at age 70. So, you know, you just continue to continue to work and work and work. And then, you know, at 70, pull the plug. So, I mean, I've had several clients that have, have said these types of comments to me. Not necessarily I sit at home bored out of my skull, but the same kind of thought saying, hey, I like working. I don't know what else I'm going to do, especially if they're not married, if they're on their own. I mean, and they don't, don't have many hobbies and things like that. So this is something that I've actually heard quite often from people is that they want to you know, continue to work because they don't really know what else they would do. I do, I do have a few people that had the second opinion too, is that, you know what, 
you know, things have changed. They, it's more along the lines of things have changed so much. I don't want to deal with the new ways of doing things. I don't want to, you know, have to conform to these new systems and ways of doing things. So I just want to retire early and be done with this whole working thing. So maybe if you word it that way, it, it kind of sounds a little bit more palatable. I mean, that, yeah, I, I could see people thinking that way where, you know what, I just don't want to work anymore. Things have changed a lot. I just don't like my new boss kind of stuff. And I just want to retire and get out early. Now, you know, retiring and dropping out of society. I keep thinking of some guy moving to some cabin in right. the middle of the woods, <laughs> living off the land. He's got no internet or phone or nothing. And, and he's hunting for his meals every day. <laughs> but maybe this is what that guy's going to do. I don't know. That's my uh, my vision as well. But I, I get it. I think I get both sides of the people who get bored of, you know, work defines them and then others that can't retire mm -hmm. fast enough for one reason or another, whether it be because the intelligence of the people around you has dropped or just some other reason. But certainly a great illustration. Two back to back comments came in and, you know, just showing you the different ends of the spectrum. I, I need to work until I die and I can't get out of this fast enough. We're all really, yep. really different. All right, last comment under this article. Now, it wasn't just these six. There were, you know, a couple hundred comments here. So I just was, mm -hmm. you know, cherry-picking interesting ones. Uh, but right. this, this one was great. This is the last one I thought I'd bring up. This article is, in all caps, useless. It's all just guesswork until you have an actual plan. I figured you'd like that one, Scott. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, obviously we did not read the article or, you know, so, so I don't know if the article is useless or not, but I, I think I love the idea of, you know, if you've listened to this show at all, I mean, I, I think uh, having an actual financial plan and a strategy in place is going to allow you to, you know, weather these COVID storms, weather, you know, economic slowdowns and all these things, because it's going to be designed to protect you. And you're not going to have money at risk that you're going to need over the short term. So there, you know, everything is based with speculation. We can't predict the markets. I know you've heard me say this a thousand times that, you know, the markets are driven by news. We can't predict the news. Thus, we can't predict the markets. There's a lot of truth to that. But yeah, you need to have an actual plan. You do need to have a actual strategy. This guy may be a little harsh with this useless comment, but I think you can always get some ideas or, or thought-provoking ideas out of any of these articles, but you have to take them with a grain of salt because they are meant for you know general consumption, not specific to you. And uh, you know the key though is you do have to have a plan. So that part of it, you know, he nailed it. That's a great point. Yeah, good comment to end it on. It's all guesswork until you have a plan. That's a pretty true part of that. So I think the conversation is not useless. I think it's good that people are able to have it out on these kinds of things and express their opinions and beliefs. But So maybe not agreeing with the first part of that comment, whether you read the article or not. I mean, who reads the articles these days anyway, Scott, right? And then we all just jump right. to the comment sections. Um, it yep. is all just guesswork until you have that actual plan. So if that's you, you know, if you're like, well, 
yeah, I kind of mostly have just gone about that guesswork around. I haven't put together a financial plan. Maybe let this be a good time to fix that and get an actual plan in place. If you want to schedule a time to talk to Scott, you can go to, well, look at that, talktoscott.com to schedule a time to meet. Talktoscott.com, the place to go. And you can also call Scott directly at 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. And again, talktoscott.com. And we'll put the contact information in the description of today's show so it's easy for you to find and get in touch. That was fun. A trip down the comments section of a recent article. Absolutely. Lessons from Keyboard Warriors. All right, now it's time to get to know Scott a little bit better. It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, my question for you on this episode to get to know you a little bit better is about animals. If you could have any animal as a pet, and of course we mean an animal that isn't normally a pet, what animal would it be? (laughs) You know, it's ironic that you asked me this question today. Are you going to tell me you just watched Tiger King and you wish you could have a tiger? No, 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 (laughs) no. Not going down that road. Uh, But I tell you, we, as a family, we were looking for something to do yesterday. And, you know, my wife was on the Facebook and she found some, uh, an alpaca farm. Alpaca farm. Okay. I've heard of these. Yeah. So we go to this place, and it, it, at first I'm kind of like, man, you know, this is kind of, I don't know, what, what are we going to do there, right? And uh, we get there, we pull in, there are a huge amount of cars here. There are a ton of cars, and this big, they got all these buildings and a boutique, and, you know, where you go in there, and they got alpaca sweaters and socks and <laughs> slippers and all sorts of stuff, but... So we go in there, we we start going around. It was really neat because it was only like $5 a person. But you can basically walk anywhere in any of the pastures of this farm. And not only did they have alpacas, but they had some little potbelly pigs, had some <laughs> miniature donkeys, miniature horses. They had a couple kangaroos that were actually really? in a separate area. Yeah, and... Um, they also had, let me see, I think they're called pygmy goats. They're like little oh, tiny like the, the mini goats. goats. Yeah. Yeah. And then they had sheep and all sorts of stuff, right? But I mean, it was a ton of fun. We had, so we, we you buy this food and we walk in there and there's a, this kid, he's showing us around and you, you know, you can do this, you can go there. And we go out in the pasture, start walking up to these alpacas and this one alpaca, her name was Sadie. They all have names, like little collars on them with their names. Sadie the alpaca. Okay. Sadie the alpaca. This Sadie was so darn cute. You know, first, you know, one of the kids fed her, and and then Sadie is following us all over the place, just walking right with us, right in the middle of the six <laughs> of us, just walking around, following us around the whole time we're in these pastures. She just she was so darn cute and they're so soft obviously you know the alpaca hair is made to make clothing and stuff but this darn thing was cute and my wife says i want to get an alpaca <laughs> <laughs> but they were really obviously they're not a house pet but you know the these darn things were cute they were so docile so nice they seemed intelligent and this thing's just following us around and makes these little cute little whiny noises when you wouldn't feed it and then we left that pasture 
And we look back and Sadie, she must have got all pooped out because she's just laying down. She almost looked like she was dead, just laying down in the field. So then we went around and did some other stuff, went back in there and Sadie saw us and got back up again and started following us around. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, was, it was a cute little animal. So I think an alpaca, as ironic as it is, might be some pet that at least my wife would consider having if we were to get some type of non-normal animal as a pet. Wasn't uh, an alpaca what, uh, was that with Napoleon Dynamite? Do you remember that movie from early 2000s? Yeah, I do, but Go- I don't remember. Goofy, alpaca, weird man. movie. And they had like an alpaca as part of the movie. It was like it was a pet. It was, really? it was their family pet. Tina, I think, was the name. Tina the alpaca. Oh, my God. So All maybe, right, now maybe, I'm going to watch that. Maybe that, Tina that, is that, friends with Sadie. You know? Maybe. But they uh, they also had llamas there, which llamas are very similar, but they're bigger. And they are definitely seem more, even though they're nice, they seem mm-hmm. less docile than the alpacas. Do. I've heard alpaca but, meat is pretty good. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that bursts any bubbles going on as far as pet consideration goes. But. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thanks. Uh, so if she's good. bad. So if she's bad. We can have her for dinner. Well, it's like having the fan. It's like having a cow as a pet. You know, it's a pet for a while, but you know, at some yeah, point, that would, <laughs> that would be a problem for me, right? I could never have a cow and then knew that you know at one time you slaughter it, need it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, that just. I mean, I love. I love steak and, and everything but yeah. you know i don't want to see it before i eat it that's right thing. that's right <laughs> see no evil something like that too funny the animal i would pick would be a sloth i think having a sloth would be awesome around the house they're just very slow moving so they're not too hard to keep up with and that's uh, true. they just kind of you know just very chill very relaxing they got cute little personalities it looks like every time i've seen them on tv or something so i'd pick a sloth they seem pretty cool. <laughs> Alpaca and a sloth. We're building quite the household here, Scott. We are. I we are. It. I love it. Well, there you go. Getting to know Scott Searles a little bit better on today's show. Now it's time to get to know you better, answering one of your questions. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. our question today comes to us from Marshall. And I teased a little earlier, Marshall had a question about a variable annuity. Marshall says, I have a variable annuity and I just found out that the fees are very high. I'd like to move the money somewhere else, but I'd have to pay a penalty to take it out. Is it worth the penalty to get away from the high fees? Well, you know what, Marshall, this is actually a really good question. I run across this all the time. And variable annuities by design aren't necessarily a horrible thing. But you have to realize that there are going to be higher fees in a variable annuity than you are going to have in typical investment account. And that may not necessarily be bad as long as you're getting value for what you're paying for. So if you bought it because you want an income guarantee or something like that, well, that's going to cost extra. If you really have a need to get tax deferral for some reason or another, you're trying to defer your taxes, then you know, there might be value there. But usually there reaches a point where a lot of these variable annuities, their surrender schedules, in other words, the fee that you pay when you leave starts to decrease over time. So it may start at 7 8% and work itself down over seven years. So if you're paying 3.5% in fees when you include the 
you know, the mutual fund fees, the subaccount fees inside there, as well as maybe a rider fee for an income guarantee, as well as the base fee of the variable annuity, you might very well be paying three, three and a half percent. So maybe when that surrender charge gets down below that level, then yes, you might have to pay 3% to move it, but you're saving yourself, you know, those fees back, then it might make sense. But I think the first thing you should do is kind of go back to why did you buy the variable annuity to start with? Unfortunately, I run across a lot of people that really didn't know what they were getting into when they bought it, just like you kind of alluded to, and you just found out that the fees were very high. That's something that certainly the advisor that you worked with should have kind of disclosed all that stuff and laid it out. And there should be a, a really, a, you know, a benefit for you paying those higher fees. And, you know, maybe when you go back and you revisit it, you may say, hey, you know what? Okay. I remember now it's got this guarantee on it. And boy, I kind of like the idea of doing this, that the other thing, or maybe has a death benefit on it or something that you feel there's enough value to, to pay that fee and you might want to keep it. But if you did want to move it, you know, I would suggest you either wait till those surrender fees are, are gone or you get to the point where you're, you're saving enough, you know, the high cost is going to be negated by that surrender charge and then it might make sense. But you have to be careful with these things. I'm certainly not recommending anybody just start blowing out of their variable annuities. Everybody's situation is different. And, you know, you have to really understand annuities are the most complex investment products out there. And there's been some real scammy ones throughout the years. And a lot of, unfortunately, unscrupulous people that were selling these things and didn't let people know you know, what they were getting into. So if you are, if you've got questions, Marshall, I run across this all the time, or I've got people that come in, they have these types of things, you know, reach out and, you know, give me a holler or go to talktoscott.com and schedule a time to talk. And I can kind of walk through your situation and, you know, kind of give you a better idea if it makes sense, but really good question. Again, that's talktoscott.com. If you want to schedule a time to meet and go over some of your particular issues and situation to help prepare for retirement, talk to scott.com or call 888-742-0111. And you can find that contact info in the description of today's show, of course. Thank you for the question there, Marshall. And now to wrap up this week's show, it's time for our favorite part, movies and TV show recommendations. Just sitting at home with nothing to do. All right, Scott, I'm looking forward to your suggestions. Any good ones that you've taken in over the last couple of weeks? Well, you know what? This would kind of depart from our normal reviews that we would have, but they have that Jeffrey Epstein uh, series on Netflix. Mm -hmm. And we started watching it, my wife and I, and I actually got so disturbed by the whole thing that I actually couldn't even finish it. Really? Wow. I mean, because it's just that guy was such a dirt ball. Yeah. (laughs) And and, that's putting it very politely. That's putting it politely. What was that? That's putting it politely. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and it was just so disturbing. It's like, you know, maybe it's because I have four daughters. Yes. I I just couldn't deal with it. I mean, it was crazy. So what I watched was, was good, but obviously the whole premise behind it is very disturbing and dark. 
and you just have to be prepared for that. But you watched it, and and you know, it ended up being a good series. Yeah, uh, I mean, good is kind of a hard term to put on it, right? Because none, none of it's good. We did finish it because it wasn't that many episodes. It was starting to get to the point where I was like, well, I hope this is the last episode, and then it was, and so it was like, okay, good. They didn't stretch this thing out for you know, 12 episodes. I think it was only, what, six six episodes maybe, something like that? Yeah, something like that. I thought it was really good to kind of just see how deep his his network must have run to be able to pull off all the things that he pulled off. Pretty sinister. I, I found all of the witnesses to be very credible. I found all of them to just be very much so stating the facts of what had happened to them and you know, all the details lined up and were corroborated. It was just, it was tough to see that he got, got away with it at so many different turns for so long. And, and a lot of the, a lot of the witnesses, I mean, their stories are very similar. They're not like they're, you know, totally out of left field from each other. I mean, it, it, it lends credibility there too. Yeah. You're exactly right about that. That's very true. Well, good, Scott. That's, that's a, so you don't really recommend that one. It was, that was more just a commentary. It sounds like. Well, like I said, I it, it wasn't necessary for me, but it, it was good. That story, yeah, you know, in a dark way is fascinating. Like you said, how the, you know they've got all these other people had to have been involved involved in this thing, and you know, how did he even get all his money? Yeah, they did cover that in one of the episodes. They got a little bit more into that, but basically, just how he duped the women. He he got into these kind of some dubious business practices and uh, was able to kind of bilk millions away from some of these other shady deals. That's how he got his initial dollars, it sounds like. Because he he's he had, I mean, tons of money. I will say this. Obviously, it's not a fun show to watch, but I think it was well done, if that makes, if that makes sense. So if you're looking for a program that is well done... It's a good program. And if you don't know much about Jeffrey Epstein, so like I'd followed him in the news, but my wife actually just, she had no idea really what the deal was with him. So it was all news to her. I mean, that was, the, she was, right. she was, cause she kept asking me throughout the show, you know, so is he in jail now? Please tell me, tell me that he's in jail. Please tell me, you know, that he's been captured. He's not still out there doing these things. So like she didn't even know, <laughs> not to throw any spoilers out there, but she doesn't even know like the sure. ending of, of what happened to him. And so that was kind of interesting to me watch it, knowing obviously what ends up happening and her not really being in tune to that news. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. So I would say, I would say I would recommend it and I'll probably watch it again, you know, get back into it and start going again. I can imagine uh, with four daughters though, that would be really tough to get through. Having no kids yet, maybe it was easier for me to, I mean, it was still tough to hear some of those things, but you lack that personal you know, you can only put yourself into a position so much, but then when you truly are a father of four daughters, I got to imagine that that's going to weigh on you even more emotionally. Yeah. I mean, you start, start thinking about, you know, cause these kids, I mean, it's not like these, you know, these girls weren't intelligent girls. I mean, they yeah. just, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know how they got sucked into that whole thing. Just lies and deceit and being gullible. Well, this would be a really heavy way to end the episode, so I'll chime in with another one here. I don't know if it's a recommendation, but it's more kind of a funny thing to end things in a light way. The, what do you call it? Indiana Jones. I never, I'd never seen Indiana Jones. Oh, um, I love them. Believe it or not. So I started watching Indiana Jones. My wife and I went back and we watched the first two. But I'm going to be honest, we couldn't make it through the third one. I think, yeah, you know. The third one's be, not nearly as good as Okay, the first is it two. not? To, okay. No. Yeah, so that's good to know. The third one well, was just a, a little too hokey. Too, 
Yeah, that one they made in like 2000-something, 2008 maybe, somewhere in that time yeah, frame. It's, it's got that kid from the Transformers movie. Okay, and an older Harrison Ford, right? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Is that one good? Is the fourth one good? I kind of enjoyed it. Okay. I kind of enjoyed it. Well, maybe yeah. we'll, we, we couldn't make it through the third one, so maybe we'll just skip over and watch the more recent fourth one. Yeah. I yeah, hear they're making a, a new I mean, one, though. I love those series, though. Yeah. I can see how the original ones 30 you know, plus years ago would have been pretty cool to watch and experience at the time. They were definitely exciting. Tough to sometimes go back and watch those older movies through, uh, you know, through the lens of today just because we've seen so much cool stuff these days in movies. Yeah, those are, those are classics, though. Yeah, very true. Well, cool. Well, Scott, thank you for all the help on today's show. Enjoyed the uh, chat with you and getting some good info, and we'll look forward to another great episode next time around. You got it, Walter. I appreciate it. All right, take care. That's Scott Searles. I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed today's show. We'll talk to you next time on the Retirement Toolbox. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.